Let me thank the, the choir. I'd asked Jeff uh, early in the week if he could uh, have that song sung or, or uh, in some way present it. And so I thank Jeff for pulling that together and finding that arrangement uh, and blessing us with those words this morning. I never paid much attention to music, uh, or I did to music, not necessarily words to music, uh, for a long time, and some, somewhere along the way it clicked in uh, into my head that actually the, the person who was writing the lyrics was trying to convey something, a message in, in the music, and so I decided well, it might be important to actually listen to the words that were being sung from time to time. And uh, it took me, uh, I don't know how many years, I, I, like maybe perhaps many of you, remembered the chorus to that song, had not really paid too much attention to, to the words, uh, until uh, I don't know when it uh, occurred to me that those words sounded very much like a prayer. And uh, the song originally was written during a very trying time in this country, uh, not too long after the civil rights movement. Civil rights movement still going, Viet war in Vietnam raging, uh, campus protests all over the country. Bob and I were talking just briefly before we uh, came into worship today about what a challenge it is to be a Christian in this time and, uh, and what a challenge it was to be a Christian in that time. What the world needs now is, is love. Paul wrote a chapter in the, uh, or we made it into a chapter when we put together the Bible, the church put together the Bible and, uh, and, review, and looked at this as, as God's word. And, and added chapters and verses to it. But in Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, the 13th chapter is devoted to the gift of love. It is, uh, they are some of the most memorable words in, in all the Bible. So let me uh, share with you that 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end, for we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. 
And the greatest of these is love. That is God's word for us this day. Oftentimes, and, and perhaps you had this, uh, these verses or a version of these verses, some of these verses read at your wedding. And that is a, a fairly common practice for these, these words, or at least a, a good portion of these words to be shared when somebody gets married. And uh, they're powerful words. They speak greatly to uh, some of the commitments that we make, many of the commitments that we make to each other when we get married. They're important words. And their use during a marriage ceremony, I think, is appropriate. Uh, They're words that need to be read. They're words that need to be heard. But that much said about the stereotypical way, perhaps, that we understand 1 Corinthians 13, that much being said, that was not Paul's intent when he wrote these uh, words in his letter to the Corinthians. His intent was to uh, write to a a troubled church about the conflicts that were constantly happening, uh, fighting over how you celebrate communion and how uh, you present yourself at communion, fighting over whether uh, one person had more faith than another person because they could speak in tongues or an unknown language, fighting over what kind of food could be eaten, whether it had to be uh, consecrate, whether it had to be kosher, if you will, or whether you could eat Gentile food. All kinds of conflicts, multiple conflicts that were going on in the church. So Paul takes a, a moment in this letter to say, step back. Exhale, you know, relax a little bit and remember what love is supposed to look like, how you're supposed to care for each other. Love doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable. It's not rude. Remember those things. Govern your life with those, those values. Two different kind of ways in which these verses have been used. Paul writing to a church that was in conflict. Weddings that happen today where the verses are used to help guide and instruct the couple that's getting married in what's important, what matters. Love does not insist on its own way. Don't become resentful or rude. Remember what God has done for you. And the question as we move into into this day, into this time, how can we understand these wonderful words, these great words that Paul has written, that God inspired Paul to write to the church? What meaning might they have for us today in a world that needs love, that needs the church to express that love, the the love that we've experienced through Jesus Christ. Somebody once said, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And so the word 
that we receive from these words in the 13th chapter of Corinthians about the characteristics of love, about the characteristics of God's love for us, God's care for us. How might we express that? What what does that look like, practically speaking? So this morning, there are a couple of things. One that we want to show you, and the other that I want you to listen to very carefully, that reflect love. Honestly, I don't know the the faith orientation of the folks involved in what we're we're going to show you and what, what you're going to hear. But I do know this, that the kind of love that's expressed is the kind of love that God wants us to express, the kind of care that God wants us to express. It's the kind of love that the world needs now, and it's the kind of love that the church can show and demonstrate. So the first uh, clip that we're going to show you is... uh, happened at the uh, border of Hungary, Uh, Syrian refugees uh, fleeing, trying to get across the border, and uh, a really troubling kind of event that takes place in the midst of all that chaos. Well, that doesn't convey much love. A man running with his child tripped intentionally by a camera woman. But here's what happened in the aftermath of that. There was a man in Madrid who saw this video, just as you have seen it, who was deeply troubled by what he saw. He's so troubled that he took the time to try to find out who this man, who was tripped intentionally, who this man was, and how he might perhaps be able to help in some way. He did research that. He did find out who the man was. And as a result of the research that he did, he found out that the man from Syria had been a soccer coach in Syria. In what we might see as a God moment, this man in Madrid was a soccer executive. And he said to himself, hey, maybe I can be more help than I realize. He got in touch with this man, resettled him, and you saw some of that uh, reunion or welcome that he received when he, the man and his family got to Madrid. Uh, this soccer executive in Madrid gave this soccer coach in Syria who was trying to, uh, to uh, escape 
the violence of, Syri of the uh, Syrian civil war, uh, gave him a job, resettled him in Madrid. And uh, the man and his family there uh, are living there now and living there uh, in safety and in peace, and he's a soccer coach. An expression of love. Seeing something that bothers you and perhaps bothers you enough to actually do something. And just exploring enough to find out how God might reveal to you how you can be helpful. How you can make a difference. As a person who's a follower of Christ. A person who cares. The second thing is something that I want you to listen to. It's a... Uh, uh, a dialogue, conversation between a father and a son. The son, Zach Skiles, had returned from uh, Iraq, uh, had a very difficult time upon his return. Uh, his father, uh, Scott, did not uh, fully understand what his son was going. Talks a little bit about that struggle, but also talks about uh, how they came to resolve that struggle. So I remember saying to you, every gift that I've been given, I don't have a better one than to be your dad. And I remember you smiling, saying, I love you too, Dad. And then you got out of the car and went to war. So what was life like after you came home? I was pretty sure someone was going to kick down my door. And I was scared to go to sleep. I couldn't sustain employment I couldn't pay rent and pay for groceries. It all just kind of fell apart. And then I was homeless. The crazy thing was that I didn't think that there was anything super wrong. You know, the nighttime, I stayed on coastal trails and hiking trails. And in the daytime, I could just pass out at a park. There was a time period where I didn't know where you were. Mm -hmm. And... It is difficult to watch anyone let go of hope. But when it's your son, it's excruciating. I remember great relief that you decided to go into inpatient treatment. And I remember one night you getting out of the car to walk back into the treatment building. It was dark and your head was kind of down. And for a moment, I could feel the weight you were carrying. As I watched you walk into that building, I uttered these two words that I don't know if they were some kind of prayer or not, but they just came out, my son. And I was absolutely overcome with grief and love and the beginning of hope. What is life like for you now? It's pretty cool. <laughs> you graduated undergrad? Yes. I heard summa cum laude. <laughs> I, I'm just asking. That's what I heard. Yeah. I remember my dad saying this to me, and I feel it is so true between you and I. It is your life, so you have the last word. But then as your dad, that gives me the second to the last word. And the second to the last word is, I believe in you. Paul says to the church, to us, and now faith, hope, love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love.
What the world needs now is the church that loves, that cares. What the world needs now are God's people, the body of Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the love that has been expressed to us. God, open our hearts beyond uh, that which we may have already judged uh, somebody for, beyond that which we are having a struggle in in forgiving somebody. Uh, Lord, help us to look beyond our our personal kinds of feelings and look to you to the love and grace that we've received through Jesus Christ for the forgiveness that is ours. And Lord, open our eyes to how we can help, how we can be difference makers in the name of Christ in this world, a world that needs to hear your message of truth, grace, and love. For it's in Jesus' name, amen.